Hello, everybody. We are back with the Josh Thoughts official sports podcast. Episode 20 here. And um, today is a pretty crazy time in the NFL. Pretty crazy time in the NFL season. Um, As I told you guys going into this playoffs, I expected this to be one of the best playoffs ever because of how even the field was. I know many people at the time cited the Green Bay Packers as a team that could go all the way. I, at the time, pointed out their vulnerabilities. Um, And that came to fruition. You know, their their special teams, their lack of um, definitive talent to put them above their opponents creates an increased reliance on um, execution. And then when you're at that talent mismatch things like special teams become very, very important because you need to be completely consistent for everything to go well and for you to win like that. Um, I definitely understand this as a Patriots fan because that's the way they were winning games for years. Everything had to go well. And um, a lot of times it did because they didn't make a lot of mistakes. But when they did make mistakes, um, Goskowski in the playoffs a couple years, they lost because of makeable kicks, you know, and, and he made most of them. His whole career, he made most of them. I never thought he was a bad kicker. But it's just one of those things where when you're playing on that thin of a margin, every little thing is going to count. Um, and we had the best weekend of NFL playoff football ever this past weekend. All of the games were decided by a last-second player score. Um... And it's one of those things where it's unreal. It's a testament to how the NFL, how the teams, the landscape is constantly shifting and changing with the, you know, the Bengals arriving on the scene, the 49ers continuing, you know, year over year, kind of proving they're a team that when healthy is extremely dangerous. And when injured to certain players, they struggle mightily. Um... You know, I definitely think they haven't had incredible quarterback play for years, but Jimmy G is far better than anybody else they've gotten to play quarterback there. Um, And, you know, looking at the teams that are still in, you know, I I think it's a great group. You know, I think the Bengals are the one, to me, that, seems a little bit out of place and it's not that I don't think they have talent and um you know Joe Burrow is incredible his connection with Jamar Chase I mean they might have the best receivers of any team in the NFL if you really think about it like right now you know their receiving core is uh quite ridiculous the Bengals but I worry a lot about their offensive line that's really where a lot of the rubber meets the road I think the Chiefs are going to be able to get home with four, and I think if they can commit to not blitzing and trying to play uh, more zone coverages, it might be a rough day for the Bengals. Um, You know, of the games last week, you know, the only ones I really thought might have been different is I did think Tampa might win, and I think they probably should have. I think they kind of messed up... um, the end of that game a little bit um I feel like personally I think at the end I felt they were imminent to score and I think when Fournette got the first down they should have told him beforehand to go down close to the goal line 
Not that that might... I mean, they still could have done that, and they still could have not been able to score and lost the game that way. I know the Rams' defense was had an incredible performance in the game um, and did a lot, but it was one of those things where I kind of felt like Tom was in the mode, he was in the zone, and he was going to you know get it done. And I do think he's probably a bit disappointed with how it turned out defensively with what, you know, the calls that were made and kind of letting them get in range for that field goal with very little time left. It was a bit, um, definitely not the way I would think you should do it as a coach. Obviously I'm not a defensive coordinator, but I think in that moment when you're when your defensive line is doing great, you know, why not just rush four and be a little bit safer on the back end and, you know, just play them straight up, basically. I mean, they'd been struggling against the normal stuff, and then to go with the blitz, I kind of, I get it from the sense of, you know, you want to rattle him, you want to get to the guy, but, you know, Stafford's really never been one of those guys who necessarily is destroyed by blitzes. He was destroyed on the Lions because his team was shit. Well, now his team isn't shit. And so, you know, the guy runs up the middle and the free rusher too. It's crazy because the free rusher that comes in on Stafford off the blitz, his hands are not up. His hands are down because he's running. But part of me thinks if he'd been able to get his hands up, he might have been able to obscure the view that Stafford had of... The um the safety, I think Edwards the third. Cause he kinda like stumbles, like he kinda like when he's supposed to turn around and run with Cooper Cup, he really doesn't it's almost like he doesn't expect it and he gets caught flat footed and then when he tries to turn he can't really turn real quick and that creates the massive separation. And Stafford kinda like launches a sidearm pass. Um really, really beautiful ball. Um, honestly, down the center of the field to Cooper Cup and I mean the Rams are the Rams are a great great team and I think that was an opportunity for for a Tom Brady figure in a game when the Rams made a million mistakes probably should have lost the game just because of the turnovers. Um Tom was going to capitalize. He was going to cash in on that, but um you know parts of the other team, you know say what you want about him. He had him there winning the game. You know. But some of the parts of the other team had issues as well. And not saying Tom had a perfect game, you know, you gotta you gotta do some stuff earlier, of course, but it's it's one of those things where it's a team game on both sides of the ball. You know, I think I think Tom played really well. Um and it's crazy. I mean twenty seven to three and, and they were right there. They could have they could have had it, but they just had to have a little bit of a cooler hand at the end and just tell Fournette to go down and really try to bleed the clock down to nothing and then just win it, right? I mean, that's what I think they should have done. Obviously, I don't blame Fournette because there's no way they told him, hey, you know, don't score. Like, they're just trying to score right here. But, like, but they kind of had a rhythm there. And, and you know, with Tommy at the wheel, you know, he he um, he always plays better when it's more important. He always plays better. Um. Even when things go bad and there are mistakes, you know, it's just overall, if you look at the crunch time, he normally has a focus that comes about him. Um, and yeah, it could be crazy. It looks like Tom Brady might be retiring, which is, you know, insane because he's still, you know, good. Like he still is good, I think. 
at least. Um, you know, and I don't know. I don't know what it's about. I don't know if it's he's sad with Tampa because he felt like they could have gone farther and he feels like if they don't do it this year, it's probably not going to happen again because they have a bunch more people coming up for free agency. The team's just not going to be the same going forward and that's kind of always how it has. When you when you go to a good team and then they start to do well, they get the worst draft picks. Everyone starts to not want free agents to go to you. Your free agents become more expensive because um, everyone thinks they're good because they're on a good team. So, you know, which is for some guys, it's more true than others. It's a case by case thing. But either way, I mean, I definitely think Tom wants to play for the 49ers for sure. Um, I think he wishes that's where he could have gone to. I think that's probably the team that told him no and stuck with Jimmy G. And I personally, I think that's a huge mistake if you look at it. And Jimmy G does okay, but, you know, it's it's just, you know, you can go back to the Green Bay 49ers game. I think the 49ers should have won by a lot more. Like, I was going into that game going, I think they have a sizable advantage here. And when you look at the past matchup they've had, people want to act like that doesn't matter. Well, when the teams are fundamentally the same with the same players, and they run the same schemes, and they have the same coaches, I think it does matter. Because to a degree, NFL teams today, they have to do what they do well to a degree. Most teams cannot just completely change what they're doing and still do well. Maybe the most physically dominant teams can do that. But pretty much every other team, you're kind of working towards like a peak moment of, you know, whether it's a style of play, a tactic, something you want to do that forces them to do something, and then you become the dictator. As I've talked about before, you always want to dictate the play to your opponent, so they have to adjust to you, because then you're the one in control, versus... If you're adjusting to what they're doing, it's something that you have to do in a game to a degree. You have to adjust to what the opponent does to a degree. But if you can, you know, have more of a control over that dynamic by doing something exceptionally well, that's more advantageous than, you know, the inverse in most situations. But anyways, at the end of the day... It's crazy to think that that might be the last game Tom Brady plays in the NFL. And I really wasn't expecting it because I really thought, you know, I guess for me, like, I don't know, it's it's tricky. It's tricky because, you know, you can't compare yourself to Tom Brady. You can't think about what it would be like to be in his shoes. Part of me thinks if I was him, I probably would have retired after three Super Bowl or something, you know, way sooner. You know, part of me thinks, well, if you're having so much fun and football is the thing that I love, if I'm him, maybe I just stay and just keep going, you know, because it's one of those things where retirement is going to go on forever. That's the entire other part of his life. But at the same time, you look at his life right now and he's probably about halfway through it. You know, maybe a little less because of how healthy he is. But he's probably about halfway through his life. And um, he's played football for so long, you do kind of start to wonder, well, when do you have all this more time to spend with your family? Like, how many years do you want of that? And your kids are doing certain things and they're getting to certain ages where things are, you know, and you want to be a part of that, you know, your, your actual family. And football is, 
is family too, but it's it's a different kind of family and community that's you know one step away from from blood, if that makes sense. And for some football teams, maybe it becomes more than that. For football teams where the guys still you know meet up every week, you know if you're meeting up with a football team or a community you were involved with every week of your life, like that's that might be on that family level, that level where you know you're not blood but blood basically. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where obviously, you know, a lot of people don't like Tom Brady for a million different reasons. Um, but me personally, being a fan of the Patriots and just everything he's done, I mean, he brought me into the sport. He was the ultimate competitor. He was the ultimate um, safety net, safety blanket for a football team where he's always going to get you to a certain level, maybe less so in the older years where he needed more around him. But it, early on it was, he always would get you to a certain floor. And then in situations where it got tight, he could get you to the ceiling and he could go, you know, make insane plays, have insane levels of determination and get things done in situations where nobody else thought it was possible. I mean, there's so many things you could talk about with the career, the stats, every record that he has. I mean, Super Bowl 51 is its own, like, universe of the best, craziest Super Bowl ever. Um, you know, maybe some people don't think it's the best if you're not a Patriots fan, for sure. But I just think, you know, Super Bowl 51 is an unreal moment in history because you could make a movie about it, but literally, if you put it on a script and you wrote it down, you would look at it and go, well, it doesn't make any sense. It's a, This would never happen. But it happened in real life in front of us. Um, the unthinkable. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, you know, thanks for the memories, Tom. And it was, I mean you know, first ballot Hall of Famer, they might as well make a whole statue in there. It's it's like it's ridiculous. Um But uh yeah, if if that was his last game, then you know I I at least like that he went out on top swinging. And cuz cuz I I didn't want to see him get bad. I mean, y- you remember some of those Peyton years and it was like Oh man, I mean they had to have, they had to put in Brock Osweiler to like get through the postseason like really really wacky and then and then he gets a contract from the Texans because he was a de facto starter on a team that was run by its defense. Very weird and just you hate to see a legend like that too, you know. I would love to go back and they and the NFL Network's probably working on this where they can get the Tom Payton matchups. I mean those were some great great games. Very you know, intellectual football and, um, but entertaining at the same time and very, very exciting always when it was Peyton and Tom. Um, and then, you know, I mean, that's the other thing, just to mention one more thing about Brady, cause I don't want to keep going too long for this, even though I probably should, if he really does retire, I've just heard some things in the news coming out. It may be coming, but if he really does, I, maybe I'll do a whole podcast episode on it, like 15, 30 minutes or something like that. But um, just to say one more thing, 
you know that players and coaches are truly great when they're preventing other great players and coaches from, like, really going off and, and making themselves into, like, the most incredible. Like, you take Patrick Mahomes, for, for example. Nick Wright, hilariously, because a lot of stuff he says really bothers me, but he said something wicked funny where he said, you know, Pat, you have Patrick Mahomes, who's a guy who hasn't lost in the playoffs to anybody not named Tom Brady. It's one of those funny things where he's right. It's like the only times Patrick Mahomes has lost in the playoffs since he's been a starter was the first year the incredible run stopped by the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. The second year, he goes to the Super Bowl, beats the 49ers, and wins. The third year, goes back. Tom Brady on the Bucks and loses. It's like Tom is literally like preventing Patty Mahomes from being Tom and winning three very quickly. I mean, he literally could have won three, you know, years, two, three, and four, three in a row. But Tom stopped him both times. And it wasn't just Tom. It was a team, and it's a team game, team effort, everything, blah, 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 blah. But it's just one of those things where you look at it and you go, that's like, that's how you know he's truly great. Because I think Patrick Mahomes is great. I mean, he might be the best quarterback in the league right now. It's him or Josh Allen. In my in my opinion, they're on a different kind of level, as seen by the game they played against each other. One of the best playoff games ever, which, you know what, let's just segue right into that. You know, if Tom retires, farewell Tom, we love you. And part of the reason we know you were so great is because of what you were able to do against a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen at, at points in their careers. These young guys who are coming up through the ranks, him being able to fight on a level with them cross-generationally, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, and the game that the, you know, shifting over to the Bills-Chiefs game, this was a great, great classic game. I mean just absolutely ridiculous. The guys you don't you don't know, you know. You didn't know how it was going to end up, but you knew whoever had the ball in their hands they were going to score. And the the amount of points they put up. I mean, you almost knew whoever won the flip was going to win the game, and it's funny cuz that same flip that Kansas City had lost on that f- that second year of Mahomes, the first year he started when he was great, um, came out of the gate, shocked the NFL, 50 touchdowns, and um, they lost the flip in that game in overtime, and Tom Brady took him down and did the same thing. And now they got the flip. And it's one of those things where I want to say, I'm going to say two things about the overtime. I'm going to dip into the overtime talk here because um, it's definitely... It's definitely a really interesting topic to hit on. And first, I'm going to defend the rules as they are. And then secondly, I'm going to say my real opinion about it. Um, and maybe a possible change, I think, that you could go to. So to defend the rules as they are now, this is what I want to say. Everybody knows if you get to overtime, it's going to be a coin flip. So you need to just win in the game. If you're Buffalo, you need to just not fuck up the end of the game. First of all, why are you not squibbing the ball? Squib. Long squib kick. 
to like the 10. You know what I mean? They're going to run it out. They're going to run the ball out because it's at the 10. That's going to take like 10 seconds off the game. You know what I mean? So they didn't do that. And then they're playing these dumb defenses. It's like, guys, just... <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. It's very... You're, you're blocking the sideline, and they have a timeout. So what are you doing? I, I mean, that part of the game was very silly for the Bills. And I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for Josh Allen because the guy is ridiculous. Josh Allen, I really do think, is the best quarterback. Because if you look at the teams... Of the Bills and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are better. They have a better team of the players. They have more defensive stars that are standout guys. You know, Chris Jones. I mean, come on. They have offense. They have better weapons than the Bills. They have a better offensive line than the Bills. So if you look at it like that, the only reason I think they're even on the same level is because Josh Allen's probably the best QB in the NFL right now, which is horrible for... Me, as a Patriots fan, because it's like, come on, dude. I mean, I, I, yeah, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get to that a different time. So the Bills messed up the game. You should have just not let it go to overtime. That's the whole thing. Don't let it go to overtime, and then you don't have to deal with this coin flip bullshit. At the same time as that, your defense could also make a play. And this is like a question for every team, not just the Bills here. Because everyone's always like, oh, the coin, it's so unfair, you know. There is a whole unit of your team called the defense. Maybe if they were good, you could stop the other team, get the ball back, and it wouldn't matter. But, despite everything I've just said, which is the reasons why I think we should keep overtime the same, at this point in time, I have actually changed my mind and I think there is a way to do it a little bit better, in my opinion. Um, and the reason, the main reason for that really is the rules are favoring the offenses. Defenses can't just be expected to just stop the best offenses in football anymore. Because the rules are so helpful to the offense, and they hurt the defense that at this point in time, it can't be reasonably expected for a team to be able to sustain defensive dominance and be able to have a more than 50% chance of stopping, you know, any offense in the game. It just doesn't happen anymore. It's hard to make a defense like that. It becomes too expensive, so you're wasting resources. Um, this is also one of the reasons why I think the NFL has become a lot closer recently because teams don't have as good of defenses because your defense really can't be that good. Even if you have all the good personnel, like obviously it's better than different defenses, but it's not going to be able to stop the Chiefs or the Bills because of the way, even in certain situations where maybe you could stop them, there's probably going to be a call here, a call there, or because of the fear of calls, you can't do certain things that have been done in the past a la the Patriots hanging all over the greatest show on turf in the Super Bowl. You know, like, that was a legitimate strategy. Is they're not, you know, but nowadays that really wouldn't be flying. Not to mention the reviews and stuff they have. There's a lot more tools to, you know, create some more situations that are advantageous to the offense. So because of that, I think it is a little bit of a flawed argument to go, oh, well, your defense should just be able to stop them then. It's like, yeah, kind of. 
And then the other, you know, the other thing that goes along with that is, well, what would you change it to? And I think for me, the real reason of, there, the most fair way to do it, obviously, is you give one team the ball, whoever gets it first, doesn't really matter. If they score points, the other team has to score the same amount of points or more points to win. Win the game, basically. And then, or let me put it this way. If team one gets the ball, they score seven points. If the other team scores eight points, they win the game immediately. If they score seven points, the ball goes back to team one. They have to score points. If they score zero points, ball goes to team two. They score zero points, ball goes to team one. So if it's a tie, you repeat the cycle. But basically, you give each team one drive with the ball. And then you compare the points to each other. And whichever team's points are higher wins the game from that round. Or if it's a tie, you do it again. That's the most fair way to do it. Now, the problem with this is the longer these games go, the more these guys are going to get injured because they're too tired, they're too beat up, the NFL game is too physical. If it goes too long, people are going to literally be dying, getting their legs broken and just really getting hurt on the field, which is like something that we want to avoid. So I had this idea, and I was talking with... um, I was talking with a friend about it. And basically the idea that we came up with that we think is decently fair goes like this. So this is what the standard rules are now. I'm actually going to say the standard rules first and then I'm going to say what the new idea is. The standard rules go like this. Team A gets the ball. If they score a touchdown, the game is over and they win. If they score a field goal or they score zero points, the ball is given to team two, the other team, And now the game is in sudden death. So. Unless the game is tied. In which case the ball goes back to team one. So it kind of goes like that. If team one scores a field goal. Team two scores a field goal. The ball. um, The ball goes back to team one. And it's in sudden death. Now if team one scores a field goal. The game's basically over. Sorry about that. Just having a weird thought process happening about this. Basically, what what we decided to do to change the rules would basically go like this. You know, let's say we'll go Chiefs-Bills example. The Chiefs get the ball first in overtime. No matter what they do, the Bills are going to get the ball once. If the Bills... So it basically takes... The only thing it changes really is... It takes out the the Chiefs will win automatically if they get a touchdown rule. And it adds in, after the first round, it's sudden death. Which is kind of actually how it works with the... The original rule set, too. Once the first team loses the ball, it's basically sudden death to the point of 
The only reason it wouldn't be sudden death is if the first team scores a field goal, in which case the second team gets a chance to, you know, rebuke that with a field goal. But if they do, and then the first team gets it again, if they get a field goal, they win. So it's basically the same as the rules now, except the first team does not get an auto win with a touchdown. So what does this mean? Basically means you know team two is going to get an opportunity to get the ball and tie it. Um, but after that, the game is in sudden death. So why is this... Now, this is different from the method that's fair. Because the method that's fair keeps on going rounds and rounds like this over and over. Where if the game is tied, it goes to another round where both teams get a chance with the ball. In this idea, it's one round of that, but then the next round is sudden death. So if anybody scores a point to go above the other team, the game is over and they win. So why do I think this is better than both those other two systems? Well, here's the thing. The fair system is cool, but the game will go on for too long and people will get hurt and it will be horrible because it will ruin the next round of the playoffs because the team that wins will be so hobbled from the game that went on for like way too long because the teams kept tying, 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 you know, and kept going. That's a big issue. But I also think this system solves the issue of only one team gets the ball and just finishes the game, which is the big problem that everybody seems to have with the coin flip is one team gets it, they score a TD, the game's over, the other team doesn't get a chance with the ball. So this gives both teams a chance with the ball and then it becomes sudden death. And basically, why I think this is a little bit better is it still gives an advantage to the team who wins the coin flip and gets the ball first. But there's also kind of a disadvantage. And this is, and, the, and I'll explain why here. So if, the fir- if you're the first team, let's say you just score a touchdown, you get the extra point. You don't win right away, you give the ball to team two. Now team two goes and scores a touchdown. Well, they know you scored an extra point. So they go for a two-point conversion. If they get the two-point conversion, they win the game immediately. If they lose the two-point conversion, they lose the game immediately. Because after the round, they have less points and they give the ball back, it's over. Because now it's sudden death. But that gives a huge advantage to Team 2. And the reason is this. Because Team 1 knows Team 2 will know how many points they've scored... They will basically have to go for two on the first, you know, on the first drive if they get a touchdown. Because if they don't go for two, they will have the potential to lose the game. The game will not be truly in their hands anymore. Now, basically, this is the advantage that Team 2 has, is Team 1 has to get the touchdown, go for two... You know, because otherwise, and if, and if team one misses the two point conversion because of whatever reason it was difficult, then the other team just needs a touchdown and an extra point to win, and they know that. So that's like team the loser of the coin flips little advantage that they get. They get the ball and they get a chance to tie it up or win immediately. And the only way they they don't have a chance to win it immediately with their offense is if the other team also gets a touchdown and two point conversion. Now, um, of course, I still think it's better 
to be team one that has the ball because if you get a touchdown and you get a two point conversion and the other team, then the other team can't win. They can only match you. And if they do match you, you get the ball back and then you can win with a field goal. So I still think it's an advantage to be the team that has the ball, the team that goes first. But at least in this situation, the other team will get to have the ball. And who knows? It, it's a really tricky decision for Team 1 because if you get a touchdown, there's no guarantee you're going to get that two-point conversion. And if you miss yours, it makes it really easy for the other team. They just have to get a touchdown to win. It basically flips the whole paradigm unless you can get a TD and a two-point conversion. You know, in that first drive, which makes it harder. So it's almost like, Whereas the original system, if you just get a touchdown, you auto win. In my revised system, team one, to have the auto win, you have to get a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and then an additional field goal in another drive after the other team, you know, ties it up. So for them to truly just kind of, you know. So that's basically my idea. And the... and. And I like the fair idea. Like, I think the fair system is fun. It would be the best way to do it. But these guys' bodies, I mean, they're literally going to break in half. They're already having them play 17 games. They're about to go to 18. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They're stronger than ever, and they're, you know, it's just... So that's why I like this hybrid system idea. Um, you know, probably went on way too long about the overtime rules. I hope you guys are overtime rule fans, nerds like me. Because if you're not, you probably stopped listening a while ago. But um, if you're still with me, uh, thanks for listening. And I want to move on now to some of the other games. So we talked Green Bay 49ers a bit. We talked Rams, Bucks, and Tom Brady. We talked Chiefs, Bills. I mean, the... The games were just incredible, guys. There's nothing more you can say about it. Um, And then we go Titans-Bengals. So, basically, to put this game in perspective, Joe Burrow is incredible. And Ryan Tannehill was a bit bit disappointing, honestly. And it's not even that he was, like, so bad. I know everybody's like, oh, three picks, he's terrible, he's awful, burn his jersey, whatever, whatever. Let me put it this way. The last interception was really bad because, like, why? Why would you do that when you're in that situation? But regardless, I think it's more of a win by Joe Burrow than a loss by Tannehill. You know, Joe Burrow, he's incredible. He's really, really great. How can you not like him? How can you not root for him? I mean, goes to Cincinnati, even though everyone was telling him to pull in Eli Manning. You know, he's... um. He's just, he really is a cool character. And it's crazy because he reminds me so much of Joe Montana. And I know you're going to be like, come on, Josh. His name is Joe, Joe Montana, Joe Burrow. Like, what are you doing here? Hear me out. It's not just the name. Trust me. I mean, I'm not that much of an idiot that I go, oh, Joe Burrow, Joe Montana, same guy. No. It's it's the cool part is one part where he's just so cool, so smooth. But the other thing is kind of like the throw and the delivery of the ball a little bit. When you watch like Joe Montana and he throws it, it looks so easy. And the ball just arcs in there and it's like floating. And I feel like Joe Burrow, when I watch him throw it, reminds me of that a little bit. The ball is very 
beautiful. It's a beautiful throw, beautiful little motion, and it looks so easy. And then the personality, you pair that up. I mean, I've been calling him Joe Cool for a while. For It's easier to say than Joe Burrow, and people get who you're talking about. Because the dude is just Stone Cold Killer. I mean, and, and, and this is for anybody out there, too, who wants to understand why this guy is cool. Because I know it's hard to talk about why is somebody cool. It's very hard to uh, verbalize. Because a lot of times, if you talk about it, you make it not cool. But let me just tell you guys why. He's a guy who knows what he wants. He's sure in himself, even if other people don't necessarily agree, even if other people aren't necessarily on board with him. And that's really part of, you know, how it goes for the most part. I obviously don't know him personally, but he seems like a very genuine kind of individual. And that kind of stuff like comes across like it's hard because a lot of times nowadays there's a lot of people that you feel like you have to hide your personality from because people are very cruel and people in positions of power, if they don't like you, if they find little things about you that they don't appreciate, they're going to eventually, you know, justify aggression towards you because of those little things that occur. But there's a whole world of other people out there who are confident sure themselves know who they are and aren't like that and Joe Burrow is kind of bringing that attitude back a little bit and um it's a little bit different it's a little bit different than even a Tom Brady who's a person whose personality I like but it's very calculated it's very um by the book his and what I mean by that is his podium personality not his like actual personality in his real life or anything you know, I love the guy. But when he's at the podium and is talking football, he's very reserved and wants to hold all the cards in. Joe Burrow doesn't really appear that way to me too much. And I know he's doing some of it. Obviously, there's things you don't you don't want to talk about with the media. There's a bunch of things, you know, detailed tactics, all this sort of stuff. But he does give kind of a glimpse, a little bit of an honesty too. And not to the point where it's a bad thing, a la Dak the other day congratulating fans for throwing things at referees in a game that they, they lost straight up because of a stupid decision. You know, that's that's a really, you know, I mean, we like honesty, but, uh, I mean, certain things, you know, it's like, talk about not cool. Not cool, dude. The refs are not, they didn't screw you over and they're not trying to screw you over and don't blame them for messing up a game when you had it in the palm of your hand and you let it go. Um, but anyways, Joe Cool reminds me of Joe Montana. I mean, imagine if this guy wins the Super Bowl. This is the thing. You're looking at him right now, and, and I'm looking at him. I'm thinking they're going to lose double digits to the Chiefs. Let's talk about the games coming up. Exactly. We'll, we'll finish off with that. We'll talk about the games happening tomorrow, and then we'll be done with it. So, Cincinnati and the Chiefs, they already played, and Cincinnati won, which I think is really bad for Cincinnati, to be honest, because... When you beat a team, you kind of think, you know, sometimes you get into this sort of mode of, we can just do the same thing. Whereas the other team is always thinking, we need to take this really seriously and we need to change what we're doing, right? So, basically, 
the Chiefs sometimes are a team. A lot of times when they lose, it's because they're, like, underestimating their opponent. It's bizarre. It's like they have, sometimes they just, like, don't play good, and then they, like, snap into shape when they realize they actually might lose. And then they play great, and then it's over. So, but it's one of those things where Cincinnati is going to have the Chiefs' full attention because they already beat them, which is bad. And in addition to that, the Chiefs have a really big personnel advantage and they're playing an arrowhead. So, all together, personally, as like, if you were asking me, like, I'm going to bet on this. I would say Chiefs are going to win by double digits. I would go Chiefs with the points, anything. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be really tough because, like, yeah, it'll be a tough one. But, personally, I would rather see Cincinnati win. I think they're more fun. And I like Joe Burrow more. Doesn't mean I think they deserve to win. I mean, if they go out there and they play really, really well and the Chiefs lay an egg, they deserve to win. You know what I mean? Obviously, like, different games, I feel like, you know, like, like the Rams-Bucks game. I feel like the Rams deserve to win. The Bucks, if they won, it would have been because of, you know, stupid mistakes on the Rams' part and then Tom Brady just going nuts and being like, we're just going to come back, 28-3 to part two, let's do it, you know. And then the Bucks had one mistake and they kind of messed it up. But, like, you know, the Rams really were, were killing them. But, like, I mean, they fumbled on the goal line. Like, there's so many little things. So sometimes, like, a team might play better than another team. And still, you know, like Green Bay, Green Bay, San Francisco. I thought Green Bay's offense, defense played a lot better than San Francisco. They got 10 points off special teams. I mean... It's great. That's why you have a balanced team and, and don't, you know, ignore certain parts of your team. Maybe Green Bay could have picked up a special teams player with the pick they used on Jordan Love, who was uh, didn't play in that game. <laughs> it's so funny. You draft a new QB. It's like a lot of teams do this. Like, the Patriots did this with Jimmy G. It's like, why, you know, maybe the Patriots win Super Bowl 52 if they drafted another corner that could have replaced Malcolm Butler, who didn't play for some reason. But, you know, regardless. But uh, let's turn the page. I, I guess that's how I feel. I feel like Chiefs are going to win by a lot. Cincy, I would rather them win. I'm hoping it's a good game, but I'm fearing that the Chiefs are going to blow them out. Especially coming off Buffalo, who played incredible. But maybe it's a letdown for the Chiefs. Maybe, I mean, they're kind of like a weird team. Sometimes they seem a little bit more variable than maybe they should be. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And then Rams 49ers. That's going to be a great, great game. Because I think, you know, Shanahan has the advantage over McVay. Because McVay was, learned everything from Shanahan. And then, at the same time, the Rams probably have a personnel advantage over San Francisco in a lot of ways. Stronger defense, slightly stronger offense, especially when you consider... I mean, I think the 49ers have better weapons. Kittle, Juszczyk, Debo Samuels, ridiculous beast of a football player. But then you have uh, the Rams, who actually have a quarterback. And, like, talking about that game, too, like, Jimmy G... I like him personally. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's like a starting quarterback, probably. In the Green Bay game, he threw like three or four passes that should have been interceptions. Some of them weren't. They might have got one. I, I don't remember, but it's like 
he he missed some wide open guys. Like sometimes he's all right and throws it well, and sometimes he just throws it and it's like, where's that ball going? I don't know why. You know, kind of like the Super Bowl when they could have beat the Chiefs if he just hit Emmanuel Sanders like wide open, running down the field. He just missed him. You know, he just aired it a little bit. But it's like one of those things. Sometimes he misses throws at like the worst times, and like. In the San Francisco Green Bay game, there were so many times San Francisco could have blew them out. But they, like, never did because Jimmy G was, like, not... He wasn't taking advantage of, like, wide-open, obvious stuff happening, like, right in front of them. So, you know, it's it's nothing against him personally. If you think he's, like, a good starting quarterback, I think that's absolutely hilarious. Um, I think that's wicked funny. But... It's just one of those situations where um, it makes the game and the matchup really interesting because uh, there's like, you know, you got Jimmy G. You know, you got... You basically have, um, you know, a really interesting matchup from the coaching perspective. You have Jimmy G. Stafford kind of trying to get his redemption and um, everything going like that. And then you have, um, you know, two really great defenses, great defensive lines. And, you know, maybe the Rams probably have a little bit lesser of an offensive line than the 49ers, which could come into play huge in this game. But I think, ultimately, if the Rams can make put the game on Jimmy G, I think they have a decent shot to win. But then again, because of the coaching matchups and how um, everything is gone, it's one of those situations where um, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. should be really exciting. I know Sean McVay is probably pissed from all the comments of um, Kyle Shanahan about how, you know, he's won the past six games straight and this and that and everything. But they should come out and they should have a good game. Alrighty, guys. I think, you know, we went over the two last games. That was, uh, you know, good stuff. This is happening tomorrow. Bit of a bit of a somber day, honestly, considering this this might be the might be the end for Brady. But um, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll keep our ears to the ground. And games tomorrow should be incredible. Hope you guys are all watching. Um, and that's it. This has been episode twenty of the Josh Thoughts official sports podcast. I'll catch you guys later.